you're not good enough, you need to try harder. We all have voices in our heads telling us all kinds of things. How do we silence them? And how do we hear the voice of God? Hello and welcome back to the God Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle. My co-host on the show, as always, is Rido from Australia, the Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North in New Zealand. And our very special guest on the podcast is Jim Fadling, a founding partner of Unhurried Living Inc. I love the title of that, Unhurried Living. It sounds wonderful. A non-profit that trains people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. I'm quoting from the publicity, by the way. Jim is a certified life coach and a trained spiritual director. She's also, importantly, very importantly, the host of a podcast. It's called the I Can Do That podcast. And she's the now the author of a new IVP InterVarsity Press book called Hold That Thought, Sorting Through the Voices in Our Heads. And Jim joins us from the States. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Well, um, I'm all right. I don't know. I can't speak for my co-host. Ian, are you all right? Oh, I'm okay. I'm here. So it's always positive. <laughs> you're here and your presence is always enjoyed. Uh, you're a great character. Now, Jim, we talked a bit before we came on to the uh, to the show about anxiety. How how have you learnt to deal with anxiety in your life and your work? Yeah, well, it it has definitely been a lifelong journey. I have struggled with various forms of anxiety my whole life. And at one point, actually, I would have labeled it my thorn in the flesh because I just, I thought it was going to be impossible to get out from under uh, the feeling of worry and stress and anxiety just in day-to-day life. Now, it wasn't so debilitating that I couldn't live my life, but it was noticeable enough to be, you know, at least bothersome. (laughs) So over the course of my life, um, I have to be honest, in the first half of my life, I felt very much trapped by it. And I would make my way like regular people do, praying and asking God and um, for help. And I believe that God did help me over time. When I hit midlife, which is its own animal, you know, things really push comes to shove at that point. So I got myself into some therapy and actually finding a lot of healing from whatever everybody has stuff in their life in the past, finding some deep inner healing emotionally, mentally, uh, really helped a lot. And then uh, this is so brief of a version, I understand, but then that brings us up to the story that I share inside the book. And I didn't know if you wanted me to share that story. Is this in Florence Cathedral? Yes. It's a wonder. Yes, please. There's really two parts to the story, isn't there? So please do share. Yeah. Yeah, I like to zoom through the first part of life because um, getting up to this this season where I'm in, because this story that I open with really happened just in the last handful of years. And so even though I have found a great deal of healing with the level of anxiety that I suffered, I still evidently found a way to wind myself up pretty good (laughs) um, a few years ago. And what happened in this situation is that my husband and I founded this organization called Unhurried Living. And really, it's our life's work. It's everything that God has done in us and through us over the course of decades in ministry. And we decided to launch our own ministry and serve from within that. But um, when you start something new, it's really hard. Mm. (laughs) You know, you have to kind of, in some ways, make something out of nothing. 
someone has to know you exist. So you have to have a website and evidently a podcast, and then you have to blog and, you know. <laughs> and you have to have, a, in my case, uh, someone who knows about social media, because I don't, yes. All of the above. And and so you're, you'll really understand this then, because it was just my husband and I, we didn't even have an assistant. We both did everything. Mm-hmm. And so it was exhausting. And yeah. cyclically, I got myself um, very anxious. About once a year, I would be you know, driving along and just come to this point where body, my body was saying, Jem, no, 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 this isn't going to work. And my heart was beating fast and I wasn't sleeping well. So I would double down on my spiritual practices, take a few deep breaths, spend a couple weeks noticing that I was not managing. And then I would take off again. I did that four times. The first four years of unhurried living, I did this. Unfortunately, the fourth time I was unable to help myself. My adrenaline got turned on. My nervous system was engaged. Any, any way you want to label it, something was heightened and I was unable to calm myself So I called my former therapist and I said, something has happened here and I'm not able to um, come off of this, um, this feeling. Mm -hmm. So fortunately he said, I can help you solve this really quickly. So we had two sessions and he did, he helped me solve it. There was a beautiful practice that he gave me and I've never had that anxious level again, which is just, I just thank God for that. Um, coincidentally, about three or four months after that, my husband and I had been planning for a whole year to go away to Italy and Spain for our anniversary. It was our 34th anniversary at that point. And even though it was a romantic getaway, I, just as important to me was that it was a pilgrimage. And I took a very concerted prayer with me. I said, Lord, I've not been um, working in a way that seems fruitful to me. So I'm going to need you to show me a new way. I need a refreshed way, evidently, to live and work. Now, mind you, I'm in my 50s. I've been through therapy. I've had spiritual direction. God has brought great healing to me in my life of anxiety. And yet I was still able to be triggered to the point where I couldn't manage myself. Mm. Um, And I think that's important to mention because I talk with a lot of people and we're very hard on ourselves. Mm. And I think it's a time for grace and compassion. Sure, I could kick myself like, yeah, that was dumb. Why did you, you, you run an organization called Unhurried Living? Why are you struggling with anxiety? But I'm just a person like, like you guys and like everybody else. So anyway, we get to Italy and I promise I'm going to try to make this as short as I can. I'll just give you the beautiful phrases that God gave me to help me because he did answer my prayer. I went in with a prayer. And God met me. So the first place he met me was in the cathedral in Florence. After you'd climbed all those steps. Yes. Uh, It's it's 463 stairs. It is a massive hike up that thing. I know. I've done it, I think. Oh, and and claustrophobic. There's a point there where you're very, very uh, close to the walls. You are, yeah. But it's worth it, of course, because then you're at the top and you're on the outside, and it's 360 degrees. Oh, I think, uh, yes. I, I had a when I lived in, stayed in Florence. I had a little um, a little um, hotel room where you open the balcony doors and you got a an amazing view of Florence, and the Duomo was more or less just straight there in front of you, kind of thing. Oh, 
beautiful. So, yeah. Yes. Anyway, sorry, carry on. No, that's okay. It's everything you've seen in the pictures and more. So I get to the top there and the very first imitation that I hear. Now, remember, I also like to say that when I say hear from God, you know how when you have an open heart and the Holy Spirit is working with you, that's what I mean. It's just the Holy Spirit was um, answering my prayer. So the very first invitation that I sensed at the top of the Duomo was instead of searching for some you know, excitement or anticipating something amazing, the invitation was, hey, Jem, why don't you just say thank you? Let's just move to some gratitude. So that was my first shift. Instead of trying for something at the top of the Duomo, I just let my eyes look out over the city and I just said, thank you. And something inside of me shifted and I began to calm in a new way. So I make my way back down to the stairs and now I'm one in one of the little ch side chapels and there's a huge painting of the, the Last Supper. And the chalice that holds the bread was right there on the table. And there's just a bunch of pews and just a handful of us sitting there silently. Probably sat there for 20 minutes. So of course, as I'm seeing the Last Supper um, at church every week, we have Eucharist. And so I hear this phrase every single week, this is my body given for you. And so I hear that in my mind right there in the pew, Jim, this is my body given for you. And then there was this added little phrase, stop pushing, mm -hmm. stop trying, stop angsting. And I now call that the unholy trio <laughs> because that is it's exactly what I was doing. I was pushing, I was trying, and I was angsting. And the Holy Spirit was just saying, you don't need to do that. And again, I just took a deep breath and just sunk into that. So fast forward a few days. Now I'm in a cathedral in Assisi and I'm just walking through in that same prayerful mode. And now I'm hearing just a, a word of scripture in my mind as I'm walking. Um, and it came through like this. Um, you already have what you need, which again is Second um, Peter 1, 3, right? You have been given everything you need for life and godliness through Christ our Lord, right? It's a beautiful verse. And I was just being reminded you already have what you need. You might've lost it or forgotten about it, but it's there. So by the time I get to our, our next location, I set aside some time and I journaled and I pieced together all of these invitations and it's become um, sort of a new foundation for me. So I start with gratitude. Thank you. I pull myself into the present moment. I look at what's happening and I just say, thank you. And then I remember that Jesus said, this is my body given for you. You don't need to push, try, or angst. And by the way, you already have what you need. So there was this, now that I say it this many years later, and it's a nice compact little story, I understand that it sounds, you know, very sweet and stuff. But for me, it was life altering and it has informed, I'm not exaggerating, how I live up to the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know, really, I'm struggling to know which question to pursue after that. I've got so many questions we can ask, but I'm going to ask this question because I think it's important. Why is it important to cultivate patience? Oh, man. Yes. Okay. So this brings up two words that I really love, process and transformation, right? Both of these require great patience. So... I know the joke about everybody saying, you know, I prayed for patience and then God tested me. And then now, you know, it got real hard. I understand. But um, we live in a hurried world. I don't know. Is it like that where you guys live? Do oh, you guys absolutely. Feel, 
you yeah. feel it, right? Yeah, we. Um, yes, oh. yes. I mean, we we live in, a, I think, a particularly anxious age. Would you agree, oh. Rito? It's, we're all anxious. Yeah, I think you know where we live is is regional kind of New Zealand, which is not particularly hurried, but there's still the. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's through the whole Western world, isn't it? You just kind of that you have to we have to do more, we have to be more. You know, kind of it's just um, in the air that we breathe at the moment. Isn't it interesting that it's all over the planet? I, and it's in books that I read. I'm reading a book right now by a woman named Evelyn Underhill, and she wrote it in 1919, and she was talking about hurry back then, mm. which is silly because they didn't even have, you know, phones and email. But I think hurry is a human condition, isn't it? That that hurried pace in the soul, because certainly we can be busy, but hurry is a different thing. That's That's the pace of what's going on inside your heart, your soul, in your mind. And that's what I'm trying to talk about in this book is we, we can engage this process and make choices. We can make discerned choices, but it comes back to your question. It takes patience, but how much, here, here's how I operate in my life. How much do I want the thing that I want? How much do I want to be free of anxiety? How much do I want to remember that I already have what I need? Well, that desire can be matched by practice, right? Which takes patience. Yes, I'm going to ask you, what, what is some of the practice? Because people listening to this are going to say, can you give us some practical tips? You know, it's what listeners always want to know, really. What, what do we do with anxiety? Yeah. For example, a listener who's listening who has panic attacks, really bad panic attacks, such as you've experienced. What's some of your advice for someone like that? Well, let's be clear. I'm not a therapist, so I'm I, I'm not going to give advice exactly about a panic attack, but let's. Um, I th I can talk to you about the thoughts that lead you to the anxiety. How about that? Yep. If you're having really bad anxiety attacks that are uncontrollable, or a panic attack that's uncontrollable, my first thing would be get a therapist. <laughs> we need someone who's very well trained and can hold space for you as you make your way through that. So that's the first thing I'd say. But I can talk about um, our thoughts because that's what the book is about, hold, hold that thought. And there's a practice that is woven throughout the entire book, and it's called Notice, Discern, and Respond. And I shortened it. I just call it NDR. I haven't trademarked it or anything yet, but NDR. And what it is, is it's really a formational practice of becoming aware of what is happening so you don't get trampled down by what's happening. So that notice, the N is notice. Notice is pay attention. Like how long did it take me, first of all, to figure out after four years that this thing was a cycle? Like it took me that long to go, hey, there's a pattern here. What's the pattern? That's what notice is, right? Now I could have well, any one of those years, I did notice that something was happening and I knew I needed to deal with it and I did my best to deal with it on my own. But then it took me four cycles of that to go, whoa, <laughs> something is really happening here and I've got to make a change. So notice can be that dramatic, but it could also just be, um, man, my shoulder is really tense today. And you just notice that you've been carrying some tension there. Notice. What's your body? What emo is there an un unhelpful emotion right now? Notice. A lot of people you'd be surprised don't actually just pay attention to what's happening, right? I don't know if you guys can identify with that. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's notice. And then once you've noticed it and you go, yeah, I am, my shoulders are raised. Maybe I'm thinking, overthinking something here, or I'm nervous about something coming up and you could, you could lower your shoulders, take a breath, and then you could spend some time in discern and just ask yourself a couple questions, become curious. What's going on right now that might be making this happen? I don't know. Then list, list it to yourself. You're kind of, it's a self-talking thing, but I actually think it's a kind of prayer because I believe that in him, we live and move and have our being. So as soon as I move into a conversation with myself, trying to see what's going on, I assume God is there and is listening and is helping. So I see what's going on and now I'm saying, okay, what's going on today? What's happening? And it helps you drop out of your busy brain down into your heart. And now you can go, oh yeah, this is happening or that's happening or this triggered something old. Who knows what you're going to find? It could be anything. Once you've discerned it, then you could move to response. Now, depending on how what you found in the discern and how long that thing's been going on, you may not be able to make a quick pivot. But let's say it's a run-of-the-mill thing. You're just a little anxious about something and you just caught yourself and you're like, I don't want to do it this way. I'd rather be in peace. Maybe I can make a shift. Do a little talking, do a little praying. And then I talk out loud. I say, you know what? I spent much of my life anxious. I don't want to do that today. Whatever the situation that's coming up next. Yeah, I might be a little nervous about it, but that's okay. I'm going to do my best. So your response could be to just decide to shift. So I'm hoping this isn't sounding too overly simplistic. I'm giving a very tiny, um, just an example, you know. Mm-hmm. What about work? I mean, we're all struggling with uh, work-life balance at the moment. And I read, Rito, did you read in the paper the other day that something like 25% of the New Zealand workforce is thinking of either is shifting, thinking of leaving their current job and moving to another job or of simply moving out of work altogether? What do they call it? They call it this, Rito, the, the silent, sil- is it the silent leaving or the silent resignation or something? Oh, it's the, the great resignation, isn't it? The great resignation, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how how do we set healthy limits, Jim, on our on our work so it doesn't overwhelm us? Yeah, that's a lot of what we talk about inside of Unhurried Living. Because as we work with Christian leaders, um, you, you know, it can get insidious sometimes because you have this excuse: "Well, I'm working for God; I can't rest because there's mm-hmm. so much to do, and there's so many people, and there's so many needs." I understand that, um, but we do know that Jesus. It says, it says in Luke that he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He had patterns of disappearing and the disciples didn't know where he was. And he would always come back and say, I've been with the father. You know, I only do what the father does. I only say what the father says. And so what we're trying to say is that there's rhythms and patterns of this behavior that if you can get them in place, even though you think you're doing, you know, quote unquote, less work because you're off, quote unquote, just praying. You know, there's a rhythm and flow here of us meeting with God, him filling us with himself, and then that becoming the ministry, as opposed to I go and pray, and then I go and work. And so as you get those patterns going in your life, over time, the fruit will be born of um, any number of things, maybe some greater peace, maybe greater discernment maybe less anxiety, 
Um, maybe you will have learned boundaries. And so you can say no more often to things that you shouldn't be doing. You know, there's so many things that, that can become the fruit of that kind of thing. Um, but we're always encouraging um, people and especially leaders um, don't think that the care of your own soul is a nice luxury extra. It's actually the center, right? Mm. Yes. How much of this is tied up with our desire to control situations and control things? Do we need to just let go, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think, yes. I mean, it goes without saying, right? My goodness. Uh, um, it's so interesting. I, it's fun talking with people across the globe on the other side and just to hear, because I know here um, in the States, we're very controlling and we're very like egomaniacal and materialistic. I know that's a generalization, but the, but the, you can feel it in the culture here. It's in our it's, culture too. Don't worry. I oh, think it's everywhere. Yeah. It's just production based and mm, materialism. Yes. Yep, and is, yeah. I have to, I have to be producing. Um, and it's in the air I breathe. And so a lot of times I feel like I'm actually swimming upstream to even talk about this or try to even live it because it's not in the air here to say, wait a minute, I could have a boundary. <laughs> I could let go. You know, we were talking earlier about NDR. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a response isn't an, isn't an action. It's a, it's a, um, it's a letting go. It's a stepping back. Or um, maybe I need to decrease here, which is not American at all. Uh, or Kiwi for that, or New Zealander for that matter. Um, <laughs> we share some of the it's same. A human, yeah, it's a human condition. Yeah. Huh? Yes, yes. Uh, why is it important for us to realize that we're not trapped in, in a current situation that's pressuring us and causing us anxiety? Yeah, well, um, another part of the gospel, right? Jesus, there's... I can't think of a verse right now, but I know that there's something in the gospel about freedom. We have <laughs> right? the gospel is freedom. Absolutely. The gospel is yeah. freedom. We have been set free, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, I like to say that I'm a practical soul, you know. Um, and the older I get, the more scripture just makes sense to me. I'm not trying to parse it so much anymore as to just read what it says and go, "Yeah, that makes so much sense." Um, you've been set free. Okay, well. If that's true, then what does that mean? What does that look like? How does how does that work for me? And then I just I kind of lean into the questions and start exploring and asking God and trying things on. And um, again, earlier you talked about patience, and I talked about process. I think that's one way we can learn to ease up is to remember that we are in process, and it will take time. And letting go is hard. Yes, indeed. Last question. How can we cooperate with God's transformation of us? Oh, I love this question. I don't know why, but I've been just, I just love the idea of transformation. Maybe I'm an optimist. I don't know if you can tell. I, I'm an optimist. I am. Um, and I, ha I can't apologize for it because I think it's a way God has wired me. Someone has to have hope, right? Mm -hmm. And again, Christians are people of hope, no matter what your personality or temperament is, um, because of the resurrection, there is hope. And so, um, no, that was so much preface. Ask the question again. I lost my train of thought. Uh, if I can find it in my notes. 
too much prefacing. How, how, no, that's all right. That's okay. We, 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 that's fine. You say what you like. How can we cooperate with God's yes. transformation of us or transforming us? Yes, cooperate. That's another one of the words I love. Because again, um, that verse that says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So our life is a life of cooperation. And so God is the great lover, the great initiator. He is the one that transformed, that transforms, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. right? That's, that means he's, I'm going to be transformed. How do I cooperate with that? So for me, cooperation begins with trust and faith. I think openness. Here's three words for you. This is from um, our other book that we wrote right before I wrote, um, Hold That Thought. And uh, there's three words, open, aware, and willing. And I call those the posture of transformation. So again, they're probably self-explanatory, but for just a minute, open. Are you open? Do you want to change? Right? Aware. Once you decided, yes, Lord, I want to change. Now are you watching? What is God doing? How can I cooperate with what I see today? I don't have to solve it all right now, but today. And then willing. Once you've seen it, you know, you're open to it, you've seen it. Are you willing to take the action? And again, that action could be something that's active or reflective. So I like open, aware, and willing. Mm-hmm. Rito, final thoughts as we close. How do you deal with, because uh, Rito works a lot with students. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with anxiety with your students, Rito? Well, that, that was actually the question I was going to ask. Oh, sorry. You- <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, it just... Yeah, talking to university lecturers, and I've said it myself that there's just a wave of anxiety amongst young people, and something that I've never, I haven't seen kind of before, and don't particularly have any particularly particular gifts in dealing with. What what would be your advice for people um, who are speaking to them who are struggling with anxiety? You know, but for someone like me, it's not been a part of my life, so I don't quite understand what they're going through. But but I do I, I do see that it is a real thing, and I do want to help them. What advice can you give people like us? Yeah, I know the stats here are terrible for high school and college age uh, people. The the depression, the suicide. Um, it's um, yeah, it seems like it's more than ever. And so, one of the things that that's coming to mind when I think of young people is um, I don't know that young people have a really solid place to stand right now. At least where we live, it feels like things are shifting all the time. The information age has made it so that we can see literally everything anywhere on the whole planet. It's just way too much. And so I don't know how to solve this exactly in one answer right here. Um, But there is something about um, those of us who have young people in our lives. Can we be a solid presence to them? Um, a non-shifting, you know, not a not some sort of um, forceful, unmoving rock. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about soulfully, really present, mm. solid. And so I think that's a gift we can give people who are in our lives who are struggling in that way because everything is shifting rapidly. 
and it feels unstable. Oh, for sure. Yeah, completely. Absolutely. So yeah. I don't know. Does that does that help you, Ian, at all? Is that oh, yeah, practical? definitely. Yeah, people talk about you know being a non-anxious present, you know, kind of in an anxious world. I think yeah, you know, it's. I think I think it's a it's a helpful idea, isn't it? That what I say is not going to help, you know, kind of these these people out of out of what's going on, but just being someone who that they can come and speak to, and just reminding them who the, who they are, how God has created them, uh, and how they've been redeemed as well. That there is hope there, and we kind of. I'm still going to be there if they're if life goes out of order. Oh yeah, or, or if life's great, it doesn't matter. I'll still be here, kind of willing to short talk and yeah. and be around. Mm. Yeah. See, I'm a I'm a spiritual director, and so this kind of um, presence is really important to me. And I've kind of taken it on as a way to live as well. And so what you're talking about is very real. A lot of people don't have someone who will actually be completely present, look them in the eye, listen well ask questions and show compassion. People don't have these very simple human uh, connections in their life very much anymore, I mm, think. Mm, mm. Because we're so hyper-connected on, you know, on all this stuff, the, the technology, yes. we've yes. lost some of that humanity. Yeah, and I think we're all wearing masks, or we still are certainly in New Zealand, and it's very hard to relate and talk to people. I mean, uh, even recognise people you know when they're, when half their face is covered. It's, it's, a, it's a dreadful thing. Anyway, um, that's that's been great. Thank you both. And Jim, before we go, where can people find you on the, on the um, on social media, on your website? Yes, yes. Unhurried so um, you can find me at unhurriedliving.com. And then on social media, there is Unhurried Living on there as well. But if they want to follow me uh, specifically, it's just my name, Jem Fadling. You'll have to look it up in the show notes because no one knows how to spell it. <laughs> but yeah, at Jem Fadling on Instagram. Very good. And Jim is the author of this new IVP book called Hold That Thought, Sorting Through the Voices in Our Heads. And I, for one, found it very helpful. Uh, and so thank you, Jim. Thank you, Rido, uh, Reverend Ian Reed, my co-host, who is a non-anxious presence at all times, I can assure him. <laughs> just Hardly. Just, you are. <laughs> just having you here, I feel a sense of peace and calm, brother. It's great. I've always felt that way with you. I'm the one that brings anxiety into your life. No, no, you're not. No, quite the opposite. You just it just ebbs away when you're around. So that's that's all great. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and take care of things behind the scenes. Thank you both so much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.